You're listening to a sermon from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas. Get to know Grace Church better by visiting our website at www.gracechurchfrisco.org. Today's speaker is Pastor Rob Tumbrella. Good evening. Uh, I want to welcome you to our Good Friday service. My name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors uh, here at Grace Church, and we want to welcome you and uh, let you know that if you have little ones, we're providing childcare for newborns up through three years old. Um, four years old and up will be with us in the service, uh, but it's shorter service with a lot of singing, so if you've got a squirmy four or five-year-old, that's absolutely fine. Uh, and that's not a problem at all. Um, and I also want to let you know we've got several, uh, three churches uh, gathered here uh, today. So uh, I want to introduce you. This is Pastor Bon. He is with uh, Frisco Semihan Church. They're a Korean, a Korean speaking church uh, that meets here uh, on Sunday afternoons. So some of their congregants are with us. And uh, then also Pastor Everton, his church is called uh, Father's House, and they are a Portuguese speaking church. Uh, you're Brazilian, I believe, right? They're Portuguese speaking, and they meet here Sunday evenings. So we have three congregations in this building on a Sunday. Uh, who worship in three languages. And so they're joining us tonight. And to, to kick off the service as a call to worship, we wanted to read a passage of Scripture that calls us all to come and praise the Lord, calls us all to sing to the Lord, and it calls the nations to do so. So isn't it powerful that we have three languages represented? So I'll read in English. Um, I'm not very good at Korean or Portuguese. Bon will read Korean. Everton, uh, Pastor Everton will read uh, in uh, Portuguese as we begin our service. So would you stand together uh, as we begin and, and listen to God's word? Psalm 96, verses 1 through 3. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Cantai ao Senhor um cântico novo, cantai ao Senhor toda a terra, cantai ao Senhor, bendizei o seu nome, anunciai a sua salvação de dia em dia, anunciai entre as nações a sua glória, entre todos os povos as suas maravilhas. Good evening. My name is Rob. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church as well. I want to give my welcome to you as well. It's wonderful to sing together tonight about just these glorious truths that we're celebrating. Uh, I wonder if you've been in a situation in your life, I'm sure you have, where you've given a kind of surprising and extravagant gift to somebody. And you did it because you loved that person and you broke the bank a little bit. Could have been uh, a vacation, could have been like a birthday, anniversary, something like that. Some moment in your life where out of your love you gave a surprising and extravagant gift. And we're going to look at a passage here 
uh, tonight about a woman who gave a surprising and lavish and extravagant gift. And it comes uh, in Mark 14, and we're going to have the verse up here for all of us. And uh, it's up here on the screen right now. You can just follow along with me. And it says this in verse 3. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and she poured it over his head. So what we need to do is kind of, maybe you're familiar with that, that passage or that story a little bit, but we've got to kind of take in the scene a little bit. Uh, there's a group of people, mostly men, they've just finished dinner at this guy, Simon the leper, who was probably somebody that Jesus healed. They just took his old name, Simon the leper's house, which is kind of interesting. And so they're just kind of reclining at dinner when all of a sudden this probably single woman brings in her family heirloom, which is an alabaster flask, which is a very expensive kind of vase that she just brings in, and you can see that it is very expensive. It was passed on from generations, likely. It was her grandmother's or her great-grandmother's. It was very, very costly because inside of this flask is this perfume ointment worth, some people say, uh, a year's wage. Some people say in modern uh, amounts, something like $20,000, which for a poor person was a ton of money uh, back then, a whole, whole year's worth. And uh, in front of everybody, she breaks the seal of this thing, which is kind of a one-time thing. You, that, once it's broken, it's, it's broken. And uh, there's no going back once you break the seal. And with everybody watching, she slowly pours the perfume on the head of Jesus. And the scent just fills up the room and fills up the space around them. To say the least... It was a bold move. It was an undignified move. It was extravagant and costly. It was spontaneous. She didn't check with the ladies at the Bible study before she moved forward with this decision to to break this in front of everybody and start pouring this on the head of Jesus. It was a little bit scandalous, if you can pick that up in the scene, just a little bit scandalous. And it was a whole lot of awkward. It was, let's just pick, just take this in. This is an awkward moment, an awkward scene. And so everybody's kind of watching this go down. And, uh, you know, they did what you do in often awkward scenes. You, you start to sound kind of spiritual. Somebody pipes in and says something spiritual, or they try to say something spiritual. And in verse 4, uh, there were some who speak up and said to themselves indignantly, They didn't like what they saw. Why was this ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. So they kind of say that in the ear of Jesus who cares far more for the poor and and the broken than, than any of the disciples. It's a kind of convenient thing for them to kind of bring up. The disciples are often suddenly worried about the poor in these weird moments in, in the New Testament. Well, suddenly they're worried about the poor, and they scold her. They summarize, they take in what she's done, they, they summarize how much that probably cost, 
and they start to scold her. And what that means is that they basically shamed her for her extravagant gift, they, and they did it publicly. And, you know, they intended to kind of embarrass her. They publicly rebuked her decision. They humiliated her for her lack of wisdom and discernment and discretion. And so it's got to come as great comfort to her when in verse 6, we see that Jesus says to all of these people who are scolding her to leave her alone. He says, why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can go do good for them. But you will not always have me. She's done what she could. And in this moment, Jesus defends what they called a complete waste. He redefines as a beautiful thing. And he turns the rebuke back on them and calls them out. And he publicly commends that she has done what she could. He's fully aware of the cost involved in this moment, as awkward as it is. Lacking discretion, though it may, about her future and her, you know, what she's going to say for the future and all that stuff. He sees the, the gift that she's given and he, he publicly commends it. And that, that's, that's incredibly hopeful for me because it teaches us something that when we give to Jesus the best of what we can, when we offer to him our very life, maybe even our very livelihood, which is what was represented in that, that flask, that jar. Inside that jar, was that was her whole life. That was it. That was her future. That was everything. That was her past. That was ev- the past, her present, her future is in that jar. And when she broke that thing and poured it out, he sought for what it was, and he calls it beautiful. And when we pour out what we have on Jesus, the world may call it a waste of time. They may call it a waste of potential. They may even call it a waste of money. But Jesus calls it beautiful. But what he says next, she could never have dreamed that he would say. In verse 8, he says, She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So he says, listen, not only do I approve of this gift in this moment, but for ages and generations, people will never stop telling the story of this gift because it's forever connected to me and it's forever connected to the cross. You see, Jesus has insisted And he's taught over and over again, his disciples, that he is the king who has come to reverse evil and to reverse death. And he will be the risen king on the third day. But before he's the risen king of Easter, he's the slain king of Good Friday. And this gift, her gift, specifically her gift on his hair is the anointing oil of a slain king that will, that will stay with him, this oil on his head through every single scene that is about to unfold that follows after this moment 
this long, scary, lonely journey of suffering and death all the way to burial, her gift is going to stay on his head. Her perfume will be smelled at the Last Supper where he says his body's going to be broken. It's going to be opened up to the world and poured out kind of like a priceless flask to take away our sins. It's on his head in the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweats these drops of blood as he considers the agony of being oppressed, of being afflicted. It stays with him when everybody betrays him, even his closest friends. The crown of thorns, if you can think of it this way, touches the oil on his head when the thorns pierce into his skin. The soldiers may even smell it as they flog him. The mob may even smell it even as they spit upon him and beat him with rods. The wood on the cross receives this ointment as Jesus carries it up the hill and is nailed on the cross and then hoisted up between two criminals. Maybe they could smell it too. The ointment will mix with his blood and flow down from his body onto the ground when he pours out his soul to death and is numbered among the transgressions and the transgressors. It's, it's scent, this powerful scent, may have been on the tunic that the soldiers gamble for as he slowly dies. And if we can handle this thought, it's the only gift that was given to him that covers him as he hangs naked on the cross and became a curse for us. When Joseph boldly goes to Caesar and asks for the body back, even Joseph may have smelled the perfume when he took Jesus' body down from the cross and he wrapped it up in a linen shroud and laid it in a tomb cut in stone. So her gift traveled a long way. It went all the way from this awkward room over just a casual dinner to a cold, empty tomb where it stayed until Jesus walked out of the tomb on Easter Sunday. And just knowing the accusations that Jesus is going to encounter from the devil and from the crowds and from the criminals who are dying next to him and even from his own friends, are we so surprised now that Jesus would say, leave her alone? Why do you trouble her? There's no way that she could have known how far God was going to go to use this gift. But this is an invitation to us. To step towards faith in him. To show Jesus extravagant love. 
however you would define extravagant tonight, maybe even for the very first time, if you've never believed or you have, but you've never trusted, you've never walked towards him in faith because you feared the costly sacrifice of that kind of decision, that kind of trust, would it be wasted? This story proves that it is never wasted. When we pour our empty life out on Jesus, he pours something into us that is everlasting and that's enduring and that's full in spite of our emptiness and that we could never find in any other place. And we know this because we have all tried. We've tried. We've gone down that road and it's his poured out life into our empty jars that finally fills us up and fills us up overflowing. But we've all got to recognize the hurdle in front of us. Before we can break that jar of our own life out, before we can kind of pop that lid and receive that new life for us, whether for the hundredth time or whether for the very first time for you, we've got to recognize something about ourselves. We, like the people who scolded the woman on that day, have got to come to this place where we recognize our own questions our own accusations of Jesus. I mean, let's just be honest. Some of us are just not happy with Jesus right now. We're not real happy with the way our life is going right now. And our questions can turn to accusations. Why is this happening in my life? Or why isn't this happening in my life? And there's good news that, that Jesus is a risen king and he's not afraid of our questions. He's not afraid of our anxieties. He's not like the the woman that day. He's not going to be troubled by all of our questions and all of our concerns. He's not going to be shocked by that. But I wonder if just for a few moments tonight, and just for a few moments this weekend, if we could step into something and just see Jesus inviting us to leave those questions behind And not trouble him with our accusations. Because we all have them. We're deceiving ourselves if we don't. But Easter is this moment. Good Friday is this moment in the entire yearly calendar to step away from those accusations and take a really good look. What if we took this time to really see Jesus as this jar of life, this priceless jar who was opened and broken for us when he did everything that was necessary to put his life into us. This is what we need more than anything. It's not just a new start. It's a new life. And that's what he offers every day and especially Good Friday and Easter So what if we just got as close as we could this weekend to the cross until we could say with the Apostle Paul, this Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And we could say with the Apostle Peter, he did all of that. He suffered all of that. Once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
to bring us to God, to bring us back home, to bring us into a relationship with God so that we could find life once and for all. What if we just took some time to breathe in the scent of that extravagant gift of new life, new starts, new stories. If we breathe that in and then we excelled with this, just the truth, that statement that's in the story, what a beautiful thing he's done to us. We just, just take in the gift and we speak back. What a beautiful thing. We, we held our mouths over the temptation to accuse or to question and we just took, took it all in and just said, that's beautiful. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church. To receive future messages, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or listen online by visiting our website at gracechurchfrisco.org.